just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back with the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Of course, there's all kinds of crazy shit going on in the country and across the world, and that seems to be what we talk about mostly on the Rational Boomer Podcast. We'll get into some other things, and you'll hear about that later. But um, at first, I wanted to respond to a couple of listeners who reached out and contacted me. First, I got a voicemail from a young gentleman by the name of Tyler. We've heard from him before. I asked a question. I do three three podcasts a week, typically. And I asked, should I do more? Because people keep asking me to do it more frequently. Now, with most podcasts, that wouldn't make sense. But this is about news, and news changes every day. I do five to six TikToks a day, so I could easily do one podcast a day. And I may do that. Some people say, don't do that because of this or because of that or because it'll affect listeners. Those are the kind of people I say, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm going to do it more frequently. I'll try to do it every day if there's a reason to do it every day. But I'm going to do at least three times a week and probably more if at all possible. And to be perfectly honest with you, getting me to talk isn't the hard thing. Getting me to shut up is the hard thing, as my family will attest to. The other thing he asked about was why I don't talk more about my personal life, uh, talk more about personal stories. And it's funny you should ask that because <laughs> I specialize in personal stories. I tell personal stories all the time. I've had kind of a diverse life, so I have some interesting and funny stories that I tell a lot of people. Not so much here on TikTok or on the podcast, but to friends, family, and such. It's gotten so bad to the point that when I start telling a story, my family will look at me and go, oh, for Christ's sake, I've heard this a hundred times. So my audience has been oversaturated here in my family. But now, of course, you folks (laughs) haven't heard these things. So it opens up new doors for me and my stories. Now, the thing about podcasts or TikToks, you can't just jump on when nobody knows who the hell you are and start giving personal stories because nobody gives a shit. It takes some time for people to get used to you and understand who you are. And maybe I've come to that point on TikTok and in the podcast. Maybe you understand who, who I am and what my perspective on things is. So maybe you would appreciate those personal stories. Now, only one person has asked me about those personal stories, but that's all it takes. <laughs> So I'll offer up some of my personal stories and see what you think. Now, I've done a couple personal story things on TikTok, and they don't take off as much as the political or the news stuff. So I've kind of set them aside. But the podcast is a different deal because uh, these are your people that came here to listen to this. Now, if you have a perspective on the personal stories, whether you like them or hate them or whatever, I'd love to hear what you think. But I have a personal story for you at the end of this podcast. Now, I got a, another letter via Gmail. And uh, this comes to us from a gentleman by the name of KT. Mike, new listener from VA here. I'm a 61-year-old failed boomer. 
Aren't we all? I'm really enjoying your perspective and posture. I'm not a hyper-left or hyper-right citizen. Neither am I. I trend to the greater good, but not at the expense of anyone else. I'm certainly far away from the hard one way or the other. I'm traditionally conservative, but not a Trumper at all. I do believe your podcast is another voice of reason in our nation today. Thank you for your voice and your platform. Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. But now, of course, Kevin has some suggestions to me, and I'm all for that. I look forward to those suggestions because I'm here for you. You're not here for me. And uh, I need to do those things that interest you if I expect you to continue to listen. So the two things he's offering up are governance, the capability of national, state, and local governments to apply governance is broken in the wake of the hyper-divisive partisan posturing as a nation learns and evolves past the ultra-right and left political positions. We need to discuss how to reintroduce and invoke governance, the ability to negotiate, compromise, and have real dialogue. Consider the topic and thread to help voters consider smarter, better-equipped elected officials. And he nailed it on the head. You're right. We don't have governance now. We have the right side fighting the left side. The right or left side doing anything to um, compromise the other side. There is no governance. There is just a pissing contest. And when you're not trying to pass whatever you want to pass, you're trying to shut down the other guy. So what happens? Nothing. Nothing gets done for this country, and nothing gets done for you. The only way things get done for us is if there is some governance. As he pointed out, we need some compromise and some discussion. We aren't getting that now. You're a Democrat, so I hate you, and I'm not going to vote for anything you do. You're a Republican. I hate you, and we're not going to vote for anything you do. And the only ones that pay for this in the long run are us. These guys still get paid for their jobs. They still get money from the PACs and shit. They're still there. They're taking their seven weeks off in in August. They still get paid, but we get nothing. So, KT, you make a great point. Governance is an important issue, and I will take your advice, and we'll talk about that further down the road. Number two, I always encourage us to keep above the fray. You may be talking to the wrong guy about that. I don't mind the potty mouth. I indulge a little potty mouth myself to take exception to this, but I do take exception to the stereotypical name calling, i.e. brain dead redneck Trumpers. Well, first of all, KT, I call them dumb motherfucking toothless redneck pricks. That's what I call them. <laughs> Sorry, KT, I don't mean to upset you. We erode our platforms anytime we mass load or group any of us in a negative way. Very much the same way that one of us might, somebody might say, lazy black people. Yeah, I would never say that. Truthfully, all the blanks are filled in by simply referring them to uh, that group as a Trump supporter. Plus, we're smarter and better suited than that. We will all reconnect with each other at some point, and we don't need to add to the growing divide that exists today. Have a great day. I plan to continue to listen. Well, thank you, KT, and I appreciate it. And that's a comment I've heard a number of times. Don't swear so much. You seem to be okay with the swearing, but the name-calling troubles you. And let me be perfectly honest with you and up front. I would never name-call anybody normally. 
But with Trumpers, somehow it's different for me. Because these people are bullies. They spent four years name-calling. And in my experience, sometimes the only way to go at bullies is to give them exactly what they're giving us. Not because it's the smartest or the nicest way to do it, because it's the only way they fucking understand. That's the only way they get it. I've dealt with some bullies in my time. And they'll smack you around and call you names and such. And you can say, please don't do that. We're going to reconnect someday. But sometimes you just have to stand up and slap them in the mouth and call it like you see it. I'm, I'm sorry if that offends you. I'm sorry if you disagree with me. I respect what you're saying. And I think in normal situations, that's true. But I think we're dealing with a group of people that we will never reconnect with. These people are mentally impaired. These people are brainwashed. They're cult members. You can't reason with them. Sometimes you have to give them exactly what they give you and beat them at it in order to get any kind of submission out of it. So, I take your point. I would never refer to a racial group or a religious group or a gender or a gender preference group by calling them names. But this particular group is deserving of it. And this particular group may only understand that. KT, I know you disagree with me. And that's fine. I'm all about disagreeing. I can be wrong. And when I hear that uh, somebody points out where I'm wrong, I will admit it. And KTL will admit that in this situation, based on what you said, I am wrong. But that isn't going to say that I'm going to change it. I'm not perfect. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I am who I am. And it's more important for me to be authentic here on the podcast and on TikTok than to try to play to a crowd and give them exactly what they want in order to get more listeners or to get them to like me. This has been a long experiment starting on TikTok. I decided, you know, I spent many years in radio and there were things I couldn't say or do because somebody told me I couldn't. Once I left those situations, I came to realize that, you know what, now I can do whatever I want. What people saw of me on radio or wherever they saw me wasn't really me because I couldn't be me. So when I got on TikTok and I got on this podcast, I decided I'm just going to be me. Warts and all, it doesn't matter. And then we'll see what happens. Do people follow? Do people like you? Do people hate you? I'm not the perfect guy. I'm not the perfect spokesman. I don't do all the right things, but here's what you know. What you're seeing is me. If you were sitting next to me right now, I turned everything off and we'd be talking. That's exactly who you'd be talking to, warts and all. So this is my experiment. I'm just going to be me. Not perfect in any way. Not even necessarily smart in any way. Just a guy exercising his First Amendment right. Seeing if there's other people of a like mind that want better things for this country, regardless of how we go about it. I don't want to hurt people. But if someone punches me in the face, unlike some bleeding heart liberals, which I am not, even though I'm accused of it, I'm going to punch you back. And you're going to get the same thing that you gave me, because maybe that's all you understand. So, KT, I appreciate the comments and the questions. Very nice. I'm glad you're going to keep listening. I respect your point of view and your opinion, and I agree that you're right. 
but I hope you appreciate why I won't take that last um, suggestion because it's just not me. It's just not me. I wanted to talk about something else. I, you know, I did this TikTok just today because it got me thinking. One of the things I do when I have problems or situations, I try to look at it closely, try to analyze it, try to weed out what it really is so I can make a good decision on it. And I've been thinking about all the folks in the black community that are deciding not to take the vaccination. Now, I have a lot of followers in the black community on TikTok. Not so sure on podcasts because I don't know your names and all that sort of thing, but I presume I will have some black listeners as well. And I came up with a perspective on this vaccination and the black community not wanting to take the vaccination. And I came up with a different perspective. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you you need to take the vaccination. But here's what I will suggest to you. I understand your concerns and your reticence to taking the vaccination. I get it, man. You got Tuskegee. You've got the government dumping crack and all kinds of other drugs into your communities for decades. You got white cops killing black citizens. You got white women being marginalized and abused in a white society. Now, I'm just an old white guy. I can't understand the things you suffered through, and I'm not going to pretend to think I know or pretend to tell you what to do because I'm an old white guy. But what I will ask you to do is take a look at a little different perspective, an old white guy's perspective. (laughs) Yeah, I know it sounds crazy. I don't expect you to do anything. Just listen, because I've kind of rake this out, analyzed a little bit, and it made me understand something about what's going on here. Now, there are people in the black community that don't want to take the vaccination for obvious reasons. They've been abused and tricked and fooled and and treated badly in the past. I get that. But I want you to think very carefully about who is telling you that the vaccine's bad that it's dangerous, that they're just trying to control you. Who are those people telling you that? Well, you know who they are? They're the same racist white motherfuckers that have been doing all this damage to your community for hundreds of years. Yeah, that's who's telling you that this shit is bad. So consider this. Maybe the game here, maybe the trick here isn't to get you to take the vaccine. Maybe it's to get you to not take the vaccine. Maybe they don't want you to take the vaccine, so they're going to keep spewing this shit so that you don't. You have to understand how racists think. Now, I had a father who was a racist. I lived with him for 23 years and dealt with him after that. I haven't seen him now for 20 years, so that's a good thing. But... um, These people are some devious motherfuckers. They only care what they want, and they will do and say anything they have to to get what they want. Now, sure, in this whole process, they may lose some stupid white redneck motherfuckers. Sorry, KT. But they're willing to do that if they can do some harm to the black community. 
It's all good by them. That's a great thing. Yeah, we we lose some of these dumb shits, but if we can damage or take down part of this black community, that would be good. That's how these people think. That's what they consider. Dealing with the black community, because that is their bane, or people of color are their bane, white people are losing a foothold. And when white people lose a foothold in elections, that means the Republicans are no longer viable. So if they can suppress your votes, or maybe get some of you to die of COVID, that's a plus in their agenda. Just consider that. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you have to get the vaccination. I hope you do. But I'm just asking you to consider a different angle. Understand what's really going on in this situation. Who is your friend and who is your enemy? And your enemy is telling you not to take the vaccination. Since when have any of us been willing to take advice from our enemies? We know it's not going to be the best choice for us. So if you consider that, maybe you take a different look at what's going on with this vaccination thing. Again, you've gone through many things in this society with white America abusing you when it came to drugs. But this is a little different thing. We know a couple hundred million people have taken the vaccination and they're fine. We know that 600,000 people died of COVID, and we know that now the only people going to the hospital and dying are the people that are unvaccinated. And if you're unvaccinated, you're in that category. Now look, if some Trumplicans decide they won't, don't want the vaccination, they get sick and die, don't care. Honestly, don't care. Maybe I should, but I don't care. I'm not going to celebrate it, but I'm not going to care. But what I do care about is how those people who are unvaccinated that percolate and keep this virus going, causing people like people in our black community are just scared or unsure of what this vaccine will do. And when what they're doing starts to kill them, that troubles me. When what they're doing starts to kill kids who can't get the vaccine, that troubles me. When they don't get the vaccine and this thing mutates and maybe goes beyond the protection that the vaccines can offer, then we're all in fucking trouble. I'm not going to tell you to get the vaccination, but really look close at who's telling you not to take the vaccination. They're not your friends. They're not allies of the black community or people of color in general. These are the people that perpetuate racism in this country. So once you know that, you have a different perspective on what's going on here. And maybe that causes you to make a different choice. Maybe it doesn't. That's up to you. I'm not telling you what to do. You're a citizen. You have the right to make your own choices, do the things you want to do. But I have the right to tell you what I think. And I've done that. And I'm asking you to take a look at a different perspective. Look at it a little deeper as opposed to the government trying to get you. We know what's getting us. It's the virus. There's no hoax about it. 
COVID is real. The Delta variant is real. Any other variant that comes in the future is fucking real because people are dying. People are on their deathbed saying, oh, I wish I would have taken the vaccine, but by that time it's too late. This is happening. We're seeing it every day. So you got to consider all the perspectives when you're in this position. I got both vaccines. I'm going to get the booster vaccine as soon as it's available to me. I know the vaccine isn't killing a lot of people or causing control because I'm fine. I never even got a side effect from it. Now, some people do. People are different, but that's how vaccines work. Vaccines don't work 100% of the time. They never do. Some people have some side effects, but nobody's trying to track you. Nobody's trying to change your DNA. Nobody's trying to kill you with the vaccine. But there are people out there that are willing to watch people die because they're trying to talk you out of getting the vaccine. So I want you to consider this. I want you to think about it. Do what you will. You have free will and it is your choice. But I just wanted to give you a little different perspective. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be back shortly. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, just a quick note that people should know about. You remember we had the eviction ban during the pandemic, then it ended, and then Biden put a, a temporary delay on ending that to keep people in their homes. Well, if you are in that situation, and it does affect 3.5 million people in this country, people who say they would be out on the streets in two months if that eviction ban wasn't in play. Well, what you need to know is that the Supreme Court denied that extension, that temporary extension that Biden put on. So now evictions are possible right now. If you're in that position, Biden is still going to do some things to try to save you and help you. But you need to know that the Supreme Court, the conservative Supreme Court, just denied this whole temporary delay. That's going to mean a lot of bad things for a lot of people. The thing about it is, is that uh, it's not even as much as what it's going to do to individuals, because that's tragic, that's terrible. These people aren't responsible for what happened, but they're going to have their homes taken away, mainly because conservatives and Republicans don't give a fuck about them. Biden has tried to delay this so this doesn't happen, and he'll continue to try. I don't know what other options he has, but he's going to continue to try. But as of yesterday, the Supreme Court said, fuck that. You can evict them. People can lose their homes. But when you have 3.5 million people losing homes, whether it be rental or or mortgages or whatever, this is going to have an impact on our economy. And maybe that's the goal. The economy is going too well. The conservatives don't like the fact that Joe Biden looks good for the economy. So you take the evictions off, you affect the housing market, and then it's Joe Biden's fault, right? Something to consider. That just happened. You may want to look into it more, and as more information comes out, I will pass it along. Let's talk about Afghanistan, since that's the hot spot these days. In Afghanistan, 
They said two bombs went off in Afghanistan. Now what we're hearing is it was one bomb, and it was outside the airport. Now, there were thousands of people in these in this area because of the U.S. evacuation of troops and civilians and Afghanis. So these people are all grouped together, and this fucking group of terrorists went in, sent a suicide bomber in, and blew up a lot of people. There were 13 U.S. service members that were killed. Now, some people will say, no, there were only 12 Marines killed. Now, the real story is, yes, there were 12 Marines killed, but there was another service member, and they don't know who he was affiliated with, that also died. 13 Americans died. 60 Afghanis were killed. And 140 people were wounded in total. Now, at first look, you might say, those fucking Taliban, they did this. They had a peace treaty with us that was actually an unconditional surrender that Donald Trump put into play. But it wasn't the Taliban. It was a group called ISIS-K. Now, what's interesting about this is that ISIS-K is a committed enemy of the Taliban. So what's that all fucking about? Uh, Once we get out of there, is the Taliban now going to fight with ISIS and we're going to have some kind of civil war? Is ISIS just going to walk in and take over and kick Taliban out? I don't know. But ISIS is a severe problem. Now, it took a long time for Joe Biden to speak up on this. You expected him maybe to jump right on moments after it happened and start screaming and yelling and making threats. Well, that's not how Joe Biden is. He's much more measured in his conversations and his speeches, and he waited. But when he did come out, I was hoping that he'd take a strong stance on that, and that that he did. He said that uh, regarding the ISIS terrorist group, we will hunt you down and make you pay. Now, just to show that Joe Biden wasn't fucking around, he ordered military commanders to develop operational plans to strike ISIS-K assets, leadership, and facilities. He said, we will respond with force and precision in our time, in a place we choose, in a manner of our choosing. These ISIS terrorists will not win. We will rescue Americans and allies and get them out of the country. America will not be intimidated. Now, see, the Republicans would have you believe that Joe Biden is this doddering old man that doesn't know what he's doing. He's too nice to do anything or be tough. Well, you'd be wrong about that. Because Joe Biden has 45 years in the Senate. He's seen it all. He's seen terrorism up front. He was vice president when Obama got Osama bin Laden. He's seen the terrorism. He was around when 9-11 hit. He understands it. And I'll tell you what, Joe seems like a nice guy, but he's an Irishman, and we know Irish anger. I know I got some of it in my family. (laughs) But Joe's not taking any shit, and he's not happy about this. This makes him look bad, but more importantly, it's killing American citizens and innocent Afghanis. So if you think Joe Biden's just going to sit back and take this shit, no, that's not going to happen. He is going to strike ISIS 
in probably a number of ways. And this is going to be a problem for the Republicans because they want to make Joe Biden look weak. But now he's going to go after ISIS-K or whatever you want to call these fucks, and he's going to destroy them. Which is funny. Because see if you remember this. It's funny that ISIS is detonating suicide bombers in 2021. Because if I remember properly, there was something that happened in 2019 that makes this very confusing for me. Now, in 2019, didn't Donald Trump say his administration was responsible for defeating 100% of the ISIS caliphate? He did say that. You can look it up. Google that motherfucker if you want. But he did say that. Well, if he wiped out ISIS, as he stated here, how is it that ISIS now can set off a suicide bomber in Afghanistan in 2021, two years after the fact they were destroyed and disbanded? Well, what we're finding here is more bullshit, more absolute bullshit. It's ridiculous. I cannot believe that people listen to his shit. And to this day, even though they see the proof and evidence in front of them, they still back him up. They will continue with the lie and lie for him. Donald Trump is largely responsible for the actions going on in Afghanistan now. He cut the deal. He surrendered for the Afghani government to the Taliban. The funny thing is, the Afghan government wasn't even involved in the talks So how can you have a peace agreement if you don't have both parties? He surrendered for Afghanistan. He said, look, we're pulling out of there. You do whatever the fuck you want. That's exactly what he said. And as a plus to get this deal done, he released 5,000 Taliban fighters and the leader of the Taliban party, the man who was one of the founders of the Taliban party, the man who surprisingly now is the president of Afghanistan. We would not have these problems had Donald Trump did what he said he'd do. We wouldn't have these problems if Donald Trump just didn't stay the fuck out of it because he didn't know what he was doing. For four presidents, Bush, Obama, and Trump, none of them had the courage to pull our troops out of there. But should our troops be there? It's cost us over $2 trillion. It's cost us 2,000-plus American lives. It's been 21 years. When is a good time to pull them out? Well, maybe after two years they were in the first time. Maybe Bush should have taken them out. Maybe Obama should have taken them out. But they knew it was going to be a quagmire, a fucking mess. And nobody had the courage to take a chance to do that. Well, Joe Biden did. He knew it was going to be a mess, and he's doing the best he can with it. But it doesn't matter how it looks. It matters that we get those troops out of Afghanistan. Stop American soldiers from being killed. Stop spending trillions of dollars in a country when we need it here. We have problems here. Joe Biden decided to do that. Republicans may try to use that to make him look bad, but they can't. He made the best choice at the best time and was the only of those four presidents to make the right choice and actually pull the trigger. So blame Joe Biden all you want. But you told us that the ISIS was dead and buried because Donald Trump took care of him. 
Well, you were wrong. You lied. It was bullshit, and you know it. So stop telling us about what Joe Biden's done in Afghanistan and how bad it is. All right, we're in the last quarter of this podcast. Somebody asked for personal stories, and I got a million of them. I got a million of them. I'll tell you this one story real quick. It was back 1977. I was 17 years old, and I had the best job ever as a 17-year-old. I was a radio stringer. Now, what that means is I was in broadcasting, and I was able to go out to sporting events, get interviews, and then sell them to local radio stations, sometimes networks. So that gave me a lot of leeway to go to uh, press press uh, meetings and uh, go talk to various sports figures. But the best part of it was I had a pass where I could go to the Minnesota Twins games for every home game. I could get in free. And not only could I get in free, I got to go on the field during batting press practice and interview people. I got to go in the press box and sit with these old-time writers and hear all the great stories during the game. I got to go in the locker room after the game and talk to people. I even got to go to this kind of cafeteria area where everybody ate, grab some free food, and get the fuck out of there. And it was all free. And I was 17, and I was getting a chance to meet some big, famous people. Now, when I went on the field before the games during batting practice, I got a chance to talk to a lot of famous people. Well, famous for me because I'm old and these are old, old stars. These aren't current stars. But I got a chance to talk to Brooks Robinson. I got a chance to talk to Reggie Jackson. I got a chance to talk to Tony Kubiak. Of course, the twins had some people too, Rod Carew, those kind of people. I got to meet, interview, and interact with a lot of famous people. But there's one day in 1977 that sticks out in my mind. It was a a momentous year for the New York Yankees, and they were playing the Minnesota Twins. So I'm walking around on the field seeing all these big stars thinking, Jesus, who am I going to get to talk to now? I want to talk to somebody. Well, I was walking by the New York Yankee dugout, and I saw Billy Martin, the manager, sitting alone in the dugout. Now, you have to understand, Billy Martin had some history with Minnesota because he'd been manager of the Minnesota Twins once or twice after being fired. He's always being fired. So he had a Minnesota connection, and now he's the hottest manager in baseball. Now, this year in 1977, you have to remember, it was momentous. There was a TV miniseries put out called Bronx's Burning. Now, 1977, it was a crazy fucking year in New York. The New York Yankees did win the World Series, but it was also the same year that Son of Sam came out and the big blackout. Yeah, that 77 year was fucking crazy. Now, we hadn't seen any of that yet by the time I was on the field looking at Billy Martin, but I thought, you know, there's a lot of shit going on with Billy Martin. He's arguing with George Steinbrenner. And he's talking some shit. He's arguing with Reggie Jackson, his biggest star. He's talking some shit. That was the thing about Billy Martin, why he always got fired, because he would say anything that came to mind um, in front of a microphone. (laughs) I wonder who that sounds like or wonder where I got it from. But anyway, Billy Martin was a crazy some bitch, and uh, he was always in the media. So here I am, 17-year-old me, smart as a whip, and courageous. (laughs) 
So as I'm walking by the dugout, I look at Billy Martin. I say, excuse me, Mr. Martin, would you mind if I came down and asked you some questions? And that's exactly how I said it. I'm a kid. This guy's a big name person in MLB, and I'm going to be nice and respectful. And he looked at me. He said, yeah, sure, kid. Come on down. So I go down there and sit with Billy Martin. And we're just talking baseball. I'm asking questions about the Yankees, what he thinks about the Twins, what he thinks about the rest of the MLB. And this interview is going awesome. It's going awesome. He's a great guy. He's friendly. He's nice. He's telling me what I want to hear. But, of course, I'm 17. I'm in radio. Obviously, I'm a serious, (laughs) serious journalist. So I got to ask the questions about Reggie Jackson. And George Steinbrenner. Now, you have to understand, Billy Martin is kind of a volatile guy. You never know if he's going to throw shit at you, slug you, kick you out, do whatever. So it was either courage or stupidity for me to go off in this angle, but I did go off in this angle. I said, well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Martin, I understand you're having uh, some problems with getting along with Reggie Jackson. He's not doing the things you want to do, and you're not happy about it and all that sort of thing. Then the demeanor on Mr. Martin's face changed, and his eyes got squintier and tighter, and he looked at me. Now, at that moment, I thought, well, this guy's going to go off. He's going to start yelling shit. He's going to try to embarrass me. He might even punch me. Who knows what the fuck he's going to do? And at that moment, I thought, boy, you made the wrong choice on this day. But he didn't do that. He didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. He thought he'd do something else. He thought he'd do what he could to fuck up my interview so that I couldn't use it. So I said, what's the deal with you and Reggie? You guys aren't getting along. What's going on? He looked at me and says, <laughs> now remember, I got a mic in front of his face. This is to go on radio. He says to me, fucking Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson is the fucking best fucking player in the whole fucking country. Fucking crazy to think that I don't like Reggie fucking Jackson. Reggie fucking Jackson is my greatest player. Fuck. He, fuck. (laughs) So I saw what he was doing here. He was trying to ruin my interview. He was trying to wreck it so I couldn't use it. He was trying to teach this kid a lesson. lesson. And uh, I learned a lesson. But not quick enough because then I said... So you're having trouble with George Steinbrenner, too. He's the owner of your club, and you're not getting along, and you're arguing back and forth. What's up with that? (laughs) Young and stupid, he says. George fucking Steinbrenner is the fucking best fucking owner in fucking baseball. What the fuck are you talking about? I fucking love George Steinbrenner. Fucking A. (laughs) So he did it again. He ruined my interview by interlacing the word fuck every other word so I couldn't use it on the radio. (laughs) And I said, all right, Mr. Martin, thank you. He smirked at me. He says, you go on, kid. Thank you. Good luck. (laughs) And I know what he was thinking. He's thinking this dumb son of a bitch doesn't have a prayer in this business because he doesn't know how to handle these situations. And being all of 17, what a surprise. So anyway... I go out to my car and head back to the station. And I'm starting to get angry. I'm thinking, this motherfucker cannot do this to me. He cannot try to ruin my interview by just making me look like a fool. So you know what I did? 
I got back to the station. It took me hours. But every F word he said, I added it out and added a beep. <laughs> so once, once, once the interview was done, it was, George Beep Steinbrenner, beep. And it was like 100 beeps in this interview. At least 100 beeps in this interview. So now I'm pretty proud of myself. I said, yep, I'm going to air this some bitch, and I'm going to show Billy Martin something. I'm going to teach him a lesson. The audacity he has of making me look like a fool. I'm going to make him look like a fool by playing this, showing how bad he is at doing interviews, showing how mean he is to the press. <laughs> so... I take it into the, the control room. I said, okay, this is the interview with uh, Billy Martin. You got to play it. And it plays. And I'm sitting back pretty comfortable, pretty proud of myself, what I did. Embarrassing Billy Martin, the man himself. He tried to make me look like a fool. But, hey, I made him look like a fool. <sighs> well, I'm sitting in my chair kind of proud of myself. My boss comes back and says, what the? fuck are you doing i go what he goes that interview what are you doing i said well billy martin did this and i thought i'd show him something oh you're gonna show billy martin something you know how many calls i'm getting from people that can't even listen to that goddamn interview what the hell were you thinking i go dude i thought it was good i, I don't know he goes listen to me listen to me very closely you ever do something like that again, you will never work at this radio station again. Fact is, you'll never work at any other radio station again. Take that fucker down. Never put it on the air again if you want any kind of future at all. <laughs> so I did. And uh, I did have a future. I spent 40 years in uh, the radio business. And in those 40 years, I always had to comply with what people wanted me to do. And that always bugged me. That's not my personality. So when I finally quit, and that's another story I want to tell you, the day I quit and retired from broadcasting. That's another interesting story. I'll tell you that in another show. But once I quit and I walked out the door for the last time, I was skipping like a little schoolgirl because I realized at that moment, now I can say whatever the fuck I want. I can do whatever I want. For once in my life, I can actually say something by way of uh, social media or my own podcast. Well, the first trick is to get people to actually listen to it, and I'm working on that. But the fact of the matter is I have total freedom. I've always said this, that I'm one of the few people that actually has his First Amendment right. There are many people that I'd want to do podcasts with or TikToks or something like that, but they're afraid of what their bosses might say or afraid of what their families might say or just afraid to talk into a microphone. So it's always tough to get a compatriot in podcasting if you're talking about these sorts of things. That's why I do it alone. And that's why I will say whatever I say because that's what I mean to say. I will think about it. I will consider it, but I'm going to say what I want to say, whether somebody likes it or not. And that's the experiment here. Can I do that and still get people listening? I know the moment I walked out the door in my last broadcasting job and I was angry because of the way I was being treated, I said, listen, motherfucker, you're so bad at what you do being a program director. This is what I'm going to do. 
The moment I walk out of here, I'm going to start working on some kind of platform on the internet. And you know what? I am going to get more listeners just listening to me than you can get listening to your whole fucking radio station. And he kind of smirked at me. You know what? On TikTok, at least, I've got way more audience than he ever had or I ever had on that or any other radio station. So fuck them all. (laughs) All right, we're out of time. We talked about some stuff. We had some letters and some comments. We talked about Afghanistan. and, uh, And Tyler wanted me to do a personal story. There's a personal story. I got a million of them if you want to hear them. You have a great day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Okay, there's one last thing. I got another gentleman who commented on a post of mine and suggested I do something on TikTok that gave people the opportunity who listen to the podcast to make comments about what's going on in the podcast. Now, I could put a blog to this, and I don't really know how to do it, and it's a lot more work, and I I don't really want to do it. I just want to talk, and I want to reach out to people. But he suggested I do a TikTok talking about the podcast, telling roughly what it's about, and if those people who listen to the podcast wanted to comment, they could do it on that TikTok. And I thought, hey, that's not a bad idea. I can do that easily enough. So what I want you to do, if you want to make a comment about this podcast, go into the description of this podcast, and I'll put a link to the TikTok that uh, I did that with. So if you like the podcast, want to make some comments, I'm going to leave a link in the description. Click that, go to the podcast, make a comment, or go to the TikTok, make a comment on the TikTok about the podcast. I hope that's not too confusing. Just click the link, tell me what you think. Now, we're done. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.